Welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air, episode 34. Coming to you from our world headquarters in San Francisco, welcome to Hearsay Social on the Air. I'm Victor Gaxiola. And I'm Eli Miniker. So back in the office after a 10-day road trip, my friend. Very nice. Yeah. Gotta love the road trip. And it was a strange road trip because it actually started here and went to Boston, so it was cold. You have to pack for that. And then I turn around and I go to Las Vegas, and then I go to Phoenix, and then I finally got back. And so here we are in the middle of March Madness, so mm-hmm. hopefully all of you... <laughs> No brackets broken, I'm sure, you know, things are things Some are going well. A couple so upsets time. already, though. Yeah, I <laughs> we're, know. So. We're day one here. So by the time this airs, we would have had the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, and yep. hopefully everybody, you know, got their picks in. By then, we are at the Sweet 16, yep. seeing how it goes. But this is always an exciting time, right? Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. Kind of leading to a lot of great basketball, and, you know, the whole country kind of gets engaged. Productivity goes yep. down. Nobody's paying attention, so... Anyway, so we're real excited about that, and you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get some updates to see how everybody's doing. But I wanted to start off today's show just uh, by saying we've had some great comments. We just came off a very strong show, episode 33, yep. where we did the profile employee spotlight series of uh, Joyce Yang, and we had Garland and Chris Lita, and it was like one of the first times you know we had four people here, and that's something that we did. I think I mentioned on the show we upgraded our mixer so we could get a group of people <laughs> To have more profile, more people, and I thought, what you know, and listening to the show, and I always listen to the shows after the fact just to make sure it sounds okay. Is I just love how we were kind of like the interaction and the playing, the laughing, you know. Hashtag- Makes it very conversational <clears throat> to listen to too. Yeah. Absolutely, that whole you know hashtag group hug and, and whatever. So we're hoping to have uh, Joyce back at some point. I already talked to her. I said, hey, I love the show, sounded great, and uh, we'll have you back sometime. Excellent. A um, couple of other announcements, too, for those of you who might be paying attention. We're really excited about the fact that this show is now available on SoundCloud.com. Big news. And so this allows people to use an additional player. So we've been available on iTunes now for from the very beginning, Stitcher Radio. But I started using SoundCloud quite a bit myself, and I realized that you can upload it to SoundCloud. So we're now on SoundCloud. It's under the Hearsay Social On The Air group page. It does encourage you to make comments, and also you can share the show across all your different social profiles. So, uh, just another you know just another medium for people to reach and and get to get to know the show. Great. The other update is we just launched a Facebook page. So we like have a, us. Yeah. So please like our page. It's Hearsay Social on the Air podcast. Uh, it's on Facebook, and and the reason why we did that is because it allows us to link the shows that we have on on SoundCloud. But at the same time is, you know, adding pictures, adding, you know, teasers, teasers you yep. know, things like that. So it's really, if you haven't already picked up on it, it's really trying to create, if you will, somewhat of a dialogue and making a connection with those people who are listening and who are actually, you know, responding to the show. And the response has been very positive. So Eli, I wanted to send out a couple of shout outs. Sounds good. <laughs> So first and foremost, we want to thank everybody who's been listening and providing feedback, especially those of you guys who are listening, who are part of the Hearsay Social family. But out in the field, a couple of individuals that I really wanted to highlight. One is Greg Bailey, who actually did an outstanding job, and I thank him so much 
for sharing Hearsay Social on the air as a resource at the Limerick Distribution Conference out in Florida. And I think it did really help in the pickup, if you will, of some of the downloads. So people are discovering the show through word of mouth, through the more traditional kind of social connections that take place. And as a result, we're seeing that more people are listening, more people are downloading, and with it comes, you know, a bigger audience. So thank you, Greg, for, for sharing. I also wanted to thank a longtime listener and someone who consistently shares this show is Sam Key on Twitter. He posts, he reposts, he really is out there. So thank you, Sam, for, for posting and sharing the show. And then finally, I'd like to give a shout-out to Scott Campbell for, uh, for promoting the fact that he came around to listen to the show. So, Scott, we hope you're enjoying it. Please, as always, all three of you and anybody who's listening, please provide feedback. Let us know if you have any questions or comments or add in a review. review. And to make it real simple now, we have more and more platforms for you to yeah. provide that feedback. So the first one, which I think we've been promoting from the very beginning, is just to use hashtag HSOnAir on Twitter. Um, we also have a new email, which is the onair at hearsaycorp, right, dot com. Yep, so onair at, on at hearsaycorp.com, yep. And now we have Facebook. Uh, so in lieu of that, let's uh, let's open up the mailbag. So Eli, let's check the mailbag, see if we've got any emails. All right, and inbox is empty. All right, so we'll close the mailbag, and awesome. uh, we'll. <laughs> that was pretty easy, right? Yep. So we'll just encourage you to send emails, or like I said, any one of those other social. Come on, make me work, guys. Exactly. So Eli's anxious, and he's ready to answer. Send questions. in those questions. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about this road trip. Uh, so, like I said, it started with a visit to Boston, which is always a fun place to go, and uh, except of course, cold, when like a lot of snow. <laughs> a little right? cold right now. So yeah. a little colder than California, but of course, you know, we, we battle the, the elements and such and got out there to participate at the Mutual Fund Marketing and Sales Summit, which was a two-day event that was uh, at the Boston Park Plaza Hotel, and we had a booth and we had a presence. I actually participated on Monday on a, on a panel out there where we were really looking and talking about, you know, subject matter, digital transformation, and I was one of three people on the panel and just kind of exploring what that meant very specifically in the money management, uh, asset management space. Um, and, and it's a really interesting kind of approach, if you will, and as to how they're using and leveraging social because, um, you know, the, the asset managers have multiple audiences, which I think is what makes it a real challenge for them is the fact that it's not just the investment public that they're trying to track with their funds, but more importantly is really getting to the advisor community or the agent community that actually resells, if you will, or actually positions their funds with the eventual investors and clients. And so for an asset manager to actually fully leverage social, it really only works when the advisor is also on social. So one of the good things is that as more and more the advisor community continues to embrace social media for the use of their own practice, they're also becoming more receptive, if you will, to the kind of content and information from the money managers. That's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, some of the findings, which should be no surprise, was the fact that those uh, asset managers that are having success with either social or in the growth of the business or at least attracting the advisor community are those that really focus less and less about necessarily just sharing information about the funds and really helping more from a business development standpoint as to how we can help the advisor community leverage social for their own use or provide them the tools and the information that makes them much more attractive. Um, and I think that the, 
the theme that seems to come across and cut across all of these different conferences is that all of this, Eli, is becoming kind of an exercise in, in fighting for attention and how much more challenging it's getting for people to actually get your attention. And so they have to get creative and, and find different ways. So a number of asset managers are having success by teaching advisors as to how to be social and how to leverage social. And that's what's really providing that, that foot in the door. That's great. And I think you see that across a lot of businesses, you know, pretty much any business is using social these days to try and get noticed and get out there. But I think it, it's incredibly important with the financial insurance and, and on the advisor side, because, you know, the, these really want to cultivate that personal relationship where it's far more important than just the product it's and the brand. It's it's the person, it's the person behind it and how you're communicating. So that's great to hear that it's it's, you know, expanding the way it is. Yeah, and most wholesalers, so the wholesalers that are actually representing the asset managers, much like the advisor community, are extremely social to begin with. Right. So they're they're professionals in being able to um, create relationships, manage relationships, retain relationships, and to find, if you will, the best way to continue to add value. And um, you know, I was. It, it seems like it's cyclical as to which approaches work best in order to get in front of the advisor community. So for the long time there. Um, the lunch meeting was the best way, which is to say that an, you know, an asset manager you know, representing their company would say, hey, I've got a couple of, of funds that I want to get in front of this advisors. And so what they would do is they would host a branch lunch. And so kind of in exchange for the free lunch, the advisors, you know, you'd give them the five, 10 minutes to do the pitch. And so, you know, so Kim and I always had Almost every week, you could at least three or four days out of the week, you could have a free lunch because you'd go and you'd listen to the ideas. And sometimes some of the ideas you liked and others you didn't. And those that you did like, you'd go back the next time they nice. kind of came around, yeah. you know, once a quarter or what have you. And there was a couple of asset managers, uh, a couple of wholesalers that were just exceptional. And what they were were the ones that would come and they'd share with, with you, you know, what's working down the street? What's working in your market areas? Is it seminars? Is it direct mail? You know, getting creative, if you will, with different approaches to the business. And so those were the ones that were really successful because they were able to illustrate to you a pathway for success, you know, as to what's working. And and to and, and almost out of a sense of obligation, you'd sit there, you'd listen, you'd say, hey, this person consistently gives me some good ideas. I'll, I'll, I'll take another look at the fund because if this organization is hiring this kind of talent, you'd have to think that that probably goes across the board. And, you know, true or not. You know that the the that remained to be seen after the fact, but the fact is that it was really looking at help me build my business, help me be much more successful. And so, what was really encouraging was that this whole conference for two days was that that process is still consistent, but now they're looking at ways of digitizing this so that the assets are not necessarily stories or brochures, but they're really activities as to what they're doing. So it's kind of evolving with the technology. It is. Yeah, and, 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 that's and, great. And one of the key words there is the creativity. Right. You know, so there's a couple of wholesalers now uh, that are out in the field, and they're doing, you know, less and less of the lunches, and now they're doing things like, you know, gourmet coffee in the morning, where they'll set up, you know, they use they work through the gatekeepers and set up an opportunity for them to come and have a barista who just creates these gourmet coffees for people or crepe stations, <laughs> things like that. I mean, they, it really is amazing how much of it is through food and drink though you know so the more quickest way to my heart you get to your heart by the the food and drink yeah 
So the two-day session that was there, uh, you know, was also looking at some of the challenges in the industry, some of the regulations, some of the changes that are taking place. Uh, for the most part, you know, it's very interesting. It is an area that we are having a lot more of a focus on. Uh, we are growing in the B2B space, and so just by being there and kind of listening and participating, it really kind of helps us in how we want to position social going forward as well. So that that was a trip to Boston. Uh, ended Left, up having uh, yeah. Uh -huh. No, we had a great dinner. You yeah. know, we I was there with Mike and and Prosh from our New York mm -hmm. office, as well as Amanda, who does all our events, and you know, so it was a good time. Great, that's fantastic. So then you left the cold of Boston for Las Vegas. That's the right. only thing cold there is the tables. <laughs> they were a little cold, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. write all my own material, well, guys. Well, you know, I swear, I often tell Kim, and this is the case with me, if the game wasn't called Blackjack, if it was in 21, yeah. if it was called 22, yeah. oh my God. Oh, you'd I'd be, be cleaning winning up. all the time. Yeah, see? You know, if the game was called 22, I would be winning all the time because <laughs> it always seems that like when I You're need an eight, I get, get a nine. A nine yeah. And when I need a six, I get a seven. You know, so it just, you know, all my double downs were like doubling down and getting like a 14, oh, like God. rocking a 14, man. Yeah, you're all it's, set then. <laughs> yeah, it's really scary when you're sitting there just hoping that the dealer's going to bust and the oh, whole yeah. table's energy is kind of like looking at each other and such. And you know, There's nothing worse than that one person who just kind of ruins the table for <laughs> everyone else. And you just get that me. glare. Yeah. Yeah, you just stare them down. You know, the one thing that I did like, though, in, and it was a single-deck table, so obviously playing blackjack, for those of you who, who are unfamiliar, blackjack, getting closer to 21 without going over, you want to beat the dealer, so you can look it up. But <laughs> it was like too much. <laughs> or just well, go to Vegas and try it <laughs> exactly, out. Exactly, <laughs> just try it out. Just put a, put a black chip down on the table and just go for just it. Just go for it. <laughs> but what I really love is that when you have an 11, you've often heard the idea of double down, which means you get a single card. And it's a great play to, you know, to increase, if you will, your winnings. If you're sitting on 11, dealer's showing a 6 or a 5, and you're hoping that they're going to bust. Because there are more 10s in the deck than anything else, so it's the likelihood of getting the 21 increases. Exactly. We should have a little tutorial, right? A full-on blackjack tutorial, and then we'll do crafts. Next week's we'll episode, just... how to gamble successfully <laughs> and with your mutual funds. Courtesy no. of hearsay social on the air. Yeah. Right? Or we'll embed, like, a blackjack <laughs> game into the Facebook oh page. <laughs> that'll, that'll get likes. There we go. <laughs> there now, we're, go. now we're talking. Yeah, well probably invite a whole new element that we weren't counting on <laughs> yeah. as far as being fans but anyway um so what i really loved is when they do this at the table when i had an 11 and you, you know you put your money you're like one more card and they dramatically keep it face oh, down oh i love that i, love I that. always ask i, I actually like, i will request it face yeah, down almost every yeah. time just show me at the end because if the dealer busts then no worries yeah, it doesn't matter what's out it, there, right? it turned out it was a three no problem but yeah. if you're like in first position meaning first person to get your cards <laughs> and you get that three and now you're sitting with a 14 and like you gotta wait for everyone else to finish you're just sitting there sweating bullets yeah that's so funny. So I love that. It's just that added yeah. element of drama. Like if it wasn't yeah. dramatic enough that you're sitting at a semicircle with a bunch of strangers drinking and playing right. game, right? It, it's just funny to me that they would finally turn around. And of course, most of the time, fortunately for me, the dealer would bust, yeah, in which yeah. case it didn't matter. But, still, but when yeah. the dealer turns the cards around, they're sitting like on an 18 and you're like praying that your yeah, card is yeah. at least an eight or a nine, right? So that you can beat them. Yeah. So anyway, I had a good time uh, in Vegas. The reason why I was there... Wasn't to play blackjack Wasn't enough. to play blackjack, no. The reason I was... I mean, that was a, a side I mean, the thing. bonus, obviously. But I was actually there to accompany Kim, as uh, most of you who've been listening to the show know that she's a financial advisor. Cambridge Investment Research is her broker-dealer. So they were actually having an event out at the uh, Las Vegas Lakes, which I'd never stayed, 
which is beautiful. I don't know it. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's it's really technically Henderson, Nevada. Oh, okay. I know where Henderson uh, is. It's about 25 minutes or so, 30 minutes from the airport, so it took a little while to get out All there. Right. But it's right on the outer fringes of the lake, the lake there. Nice. Uh, beautiful property. Lake, no casino at all mm. at the hotel, which is a little bit of a departure. It's nice because it kind of forces you to just kind of... Saves you money, for let, sure. It does that. <laughs> but just enjoy the, the, the place. You know, and they've got a golf course, and it's that semi, you know desert meets water meets you the know, other kind greenery. of vegas it vacation is. escape i like that so they had a two-day conference there so i came out uh, to participate I, I ended up working it was probably one of the best offices i've had all year um taking calls and and you know being on email and such but then we stayed through the weekend um to visit and uh stayed at the win so for those oh, of you if beautiful. you haven't already been to vegas recently you're looking for a place to stay beautiful it's now my you know my newest favorite property Nice pool, nice gambling, nice place. Uh, you know. Home to, if I'm not mistaken, the world's most expensive nightclub, XS. Yeah, I wouldn't I believe doubt it. a billion dollars. I, I would not the doubt VV, it. The VIP tables and bottle service come with a hot tub. I have heard. I have not experienced. I gotta go with you. No, I've not done it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, if you want to experience it, I'll experience it. All that right, too. let's let's get a hearsay group together and, and just go. All right. We'll get a group deal. Yeah, <laughs> we can expense that, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I think accounting so. department. I check. think so. Offsite. Yes. No? <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, yeah, beautiful hotel, beautiful grounds, the pool. I mean, you know, Steve Wynn knows what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, he's got his name on the side of the building, <laughs> so you know, he wants it to look great. But uh, there for two nights. Um, and what I really was getting to is what was exciting about being in Las Vegas was the fact that I got to meet face-to-face in real life with Kate Holmes. Uh, yeah, who we interviewed in episode 32. Yeah, so, re- you know, recently. And so what was great about that, I mean, I, th- I kept thinking to myself, I guess if I had had a little bit more foresight, I could have done this as a live interview as opposed yeah. to, you know, recorded uh, through the phone. The quality could have been a lot better. But the fact is we sat down and it actually gave me an opportunity to introduce her to Kim and to Kim's partner and such, and that we were sitting there and they had a lot in common and, it was one of these things where I thought the, the meeting might have only taken like an hour, but we were together for hours and it was great, you know, just kind of catching up with Kate and finding out about her business and what she's working on and the things that she's got coming up. So, I, you know, I love that. I love That's the fantastic. getting to meet, you know, our guest in real life. I think I, I posted a picture on Facebook, you can see it, and that was just, you know, we're just kind of smiling ear to ear just because it's like, it's like meeting an old friend, yeah. you know, so it was great. And, and the reason why we, we met up with Kate is we had just done, and I think I shared this with you, uh, Eli, we had an opportunity to visit and tour Zappos. Yeah, the shoe company, one of the best, uh, best case studies of any company for how to correctly run and change a business. That's absolutely right. And Zappos.com is based in Las Vegas. It wasn't uh, originally, I think it was based here in San Francisco. They moved the operation yeah. to Las Vegas. They actually set up their headquarters in what was the old city hall so it's oh, right no in downtown and um kind of re-gutted it if you will they they brought in all kinds of computers and wiring and stuff like that and they basically set up their operation so it's this very large building i think it's like seven or eight stories high but spread out if you will and they have like their merchandising group their buyers their customer success their um you know just everything their advertising their marketing it's all just kind yeah. of under that one roof however most of the distribution most of the actual product, the merchandise, is in Kentucky. Yeah. And the reason why it's in Kentucky is because they have a distribution center there. I guess UPS 
uh, UPS ships out of Kentucky, so it's easier for them oh, to be okay. able to get their shoes and their products yeah. to customers usually within overnight, you know, yeah. as a result, you know, one, two days or so. So it services both the West Coast and the East Coast. But um, so Zappos does offer, if you will, public tours. Um, and you can go, I think, online. You can set it up. We went in there. Uh, they line you up. They kind of go through the history of the company, Zappos, you know, from the very beginning and mm-hmm. up until, you know, where they are now. And then they have an assigned tour guide who walks you through the property and just kind of like the quirkiness and the open space and such. And I thought it was really interesting be- that they were large enough to attract, you know, people to tour. And I thought we were going to actually cool. watch shoes being made. Right, right. <laughs> I was totally off on that. Um, <laughs> but no, it was more kind of like, hey, walk around our offices and, you know, they're very quirky. And so far yeah. as the people there that they hire locally, they are continuously like 24 hours because they have multiple shifts. Um global company they had this one hallway which i thought was pretty impressive where every time they sell like um, they were they were tracking when they had a million dollar day so the first time wow. they had a million dollar day they had a t-shirt made you yeah. know that million dollar day and then they put the date and as you walk down this hallway it was two million dollar day and they were up to like 22 or 24 million dollar days no kidding no i'm not kidding it was pretty impressive and of course in the holidays yeah you know a lot of people are using Zappos too. So what was really impressive was that as an organization, when it comes to their customer success, the order taking, the people who service um, customers, if they have issues, problems, and concerns, is that every single employee that is hired by Zappos, regardless of whatever role you're going to be in, goes through the customer success training. See, that I think is so key for so many institutions. It's, it's you know, if you see that side getting to know the customer success, getting to know what uh, the customer wants, that it makes any part of your job that much more, you know, focused and easier. Yeah. And, and that's at all levels. That's so it doesn't fantastic. matter if yeah. you're the person who's hired basically to, you know, to make coffee. Right. Or you're the person, you know, the CEO. You know, right. the CEO will, uh, will, will, will man the phones. And the reason why they do that is they want everybody to understand, you know, that part of the chain, if you will, of the business. And they are based completely on this whole concept of delivering happiness. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he wrote a book right. called Delivering, delivering Happiness. happiness. And, um, and so everybody goes through this. And it's like a two to four week process, right? So that when the holidays roll around or where there's high demand, they bring everybody on the phones. Like everybody is, yeah. is going to be in a shift working through the phones. And I think I think they do that for at least, I, I can't remember what the, the expectation is, that everybody will at least do it for, like, I think, two days. So anybody from That's the great. Zappos organization, you want to correct me, hashtag HS on air. But <laughs> or email. The, or email, right, on air. Yeah, because <laughs> that's kind of sad, man. We had no mail. Come on. I mean, even if you just send an email that says, nay. <laughs> we got some spam, but uh, I don't think I'm going to read those. Yeah, well, it turns out <laughs> you have an uncle or somebody in Nigeria do you know? Yeah, I do. Well, actually, you're, this is a great, into some money, it's a great time to bring this up. I've really been, you know, he j- he just came into some money. <laughs> and uh, if you guys could help, please send. <laughs> he needs help. And and we'll we'll return you millions. Yeah, well, he probably knows my uncle out there, too. <laughs> Maybe they know each other. But Bob Ponzi. Sides, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we'd, we'd like to get some legitimate mail. That'd yeah. be pretty awesome. So anyway, the tour of Zappos was pretty yeah. impressive. And I guess we didn't really say that. We didn't say what Zappos, I mean, I assume most people know them by now. But if you don't, Zappos is a an online shoe ordering company. And one of their big uh, keys is a 365-day return policy, um, 
which I believe they still have. Again, correct me, Zappos, if I'm wrong. I can look it up later. But, um, yeah, it's it's a big part of their of their kind of culture and, sure. and mantra is is this success they've seen with that that policy. Well, they're definitively one of the best case studies when it comes to absolutely you know exceptional customer success. Definitely check out the support. book Delivering Happiness if you haven't read that. It's it's a must read for uh, entrepreneurs and and potential you know uh, anyone starting and running a business of any kind. Well, they kind of apply the philosophy that I strongly believe any successful business should have, which is this whole idea of Ritz-Carlton-like service with FedEx efficiency, right? I, I think Ronnie used to like that, that little I like quote, that, you know, yeah. So, so, you know, what, what is it? was All rights reserved. Yeah, <laughs> I need, yeah, yeah. I need that like, little disclaimer at the bottom. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> so the visit to Zappos was, was pretty awesome. Uh, it was really interesting to me that that you know, that people just in general, the general public will want to see this office environment and uh, they're having success. Of, you know, any indication of the boxes we see here in the office with zappos.com slapped around. So I think a lot of our employees like it. But I got to tell you one thing, which I thought, you know, for me, having worked here yeah. now for a year at, at Hearsay Social, it didn't seem that much of a departure as it related to uh, the culture that yeah. they're trying to create and cultivate you know the people for the most part open office environment much like ours uh, a lot of creativity um a lot of teaming collaboration you know and a certain amount of quirkiness that's right? great it's amazing how much that culture has really uh you know permeated uh so many different uh facets of, of and industries um but you know it, it's it's absolutely true that that kind of open and personable culture has led to so much success i mean we have a something we do every um team meeting we you know bring up people who it's their one year two year three year anniversary etc at hearsay and they you know give a little they tell a funny story about something that happened to them and then you know kind of say a few words and across the board the amount of people who get up and just say you know it's the people and the culture that keep me here and mm -hmm. that you know i've been here now three and a half or four years and you know here's why and it's awesome to see that i haven't i haven't mm -hmm. had my one year yet but you know it's that culture is just fantastic so yeah i'm glad it's it's cool to see it you know well you know and it, like you said it permeates i think it's something we've come accustomed to and is is become par for the course here especially in san francisco mm -hmm. in silicon valley to kind of expect that um, this being in Las Vegas, of course, with its origins in San Francisco, it was really just translating that, yeah. that, that, that process, or at least that environment to this setup in Las Vegas. And, you know, and, and looking around, they weren't all young people either, you know, so they do hire, uh, you know, across a, a, a wide demographic of people within Las Vegas. And I kept thinking to myself, where would these people be working if they weren't working at Zappos? And, Chances are they may have been in the gaming industry, mm -hmm. or perhaps at least in the services industry. It's very, yeah. very. Uh, it'd be very difficult to avoid that. I think in Las Vegas, in light of the fact that that's its primary industry. Yeah. Um, but I give a lot of credit, you know, to what Zappos has done by establishing themselves in Las Vegas and investing a lot in the local community, um, in both downtown and across Las Vegas, and then you know being very charitable insofar as uh, putting their money where their mouth is. You know, so this whole delivering happiness mm -hmm. um, is definitely a philosophy I think that's starting to permeate amongst a lot of more traditional companies and to a certain extent I think it's something that people look to us you know so even some of our customers just to see the makeup of our organization how we operate how we collaborate with each other and it does 
kind of bring a different perspective. So that's great. Yeah. Now switching gears a little bit, I know we uh, we have a lot of listeners in Chicago, and uh, a lot of a lot of good customers in Chicago. And I understand you made a bet while a prop bet while you were there. Oh. <laughs> that yes, may I make did. some of them happy or may make some Chicago fans think you're making fun of them well no i'm not you know the fact <laughs> is uh i i lived eight years in chicago and uh, throughout my whole life moved from city to city so started in los angeles so i was born uh, a dodgers fan you know, it's hard to avoid you know and i always felt as a little kid is like you adopt the team where you're born fair enough and so i adopted the dodgers that's my team Steve Garvey, Ron Say, Dusty Baker, you know, those yeah. 70s teams, that, that was the teams that I remember as a little guy, right? Yeah. Then we moved to Houston, yeah. and so I adopted the Astros. We would used to go see shows or games at the Astrodome. Yep. You know, it was yep. 50 cents for a ticket to what? sit in the outfield. Yeah, 150 for adults. I still remember a guy would hit the home run and the whole light show and stuff, and anybody who remembers Bad News Bears yep. will remember that scene. Um, then we moved to uh, D.C., Yep. No, no team at that point. There was right, no the Nationals. Nationals weren't they weren't there. So, you know, continued following the uh, the Dodgers. And then I moved here to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that, I, and this is one of those things that's very odd about me, I suppose, or odd, is I know I, I should, as a Dodgers fan, hate the Giants. But yeah. I grew up here, you know, for the most part. So right. I got to know the local team, which is the San Francisco Giants, much more than, than even the Dodgers. Sure. You know, this is before all the internet and stuff. Yeah. So I knew more about what was happening in San Francisco than I knew about what was happening yeah. in, in Los Angeles. So, you know, the way I do it is I cheer for the Dodgers unless they're playing, you know, continue unless playing for playing, them. Yeah. If they're playing the Giants, I'll cheer for the Dodgers against the Giants, and I'll cheer for the Giants playing anybody else. Gotcha. So I know it's weird, but yeah. that's me, right? It's totally fair. So anyway, um, when I lived in Chicago, I couldn't help but adopt the Cubs. You know, as the National League team and what have you, my kids were born in Chicago and applying the whole idea of you adopt the team or where you're born, they became Cubs fans. Right. Uh, To my, you know, so they, so. The most tortured fans (laughs) in all of fandom. I remember my daughter. Browns fans, feel free to disagree. Again, that's hashtag HS on (laughs) air. air. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have Blackjack and Browns fans and all kinds of people just like riding to Zappos.com employees, you know, correcting us. You've totally got us wrong. You have no idea what we do. (laughs) So, um, so the kids grew up and I told them you're likely to be, you know, living a lifetime of disappointment and choosing that National League team and the Cubs. But a uh, very roundabout way of saying that they had this bet at the sports book <laughs> at the at the Wynn Hotel. And it, the, 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 the bet was, will the Cubs win the World Series in 2015, 2016, or 2017? So it's a three-year bet. Right. And I just couldn't help myself. So, you know, hey. Let's let's gamble. Let's play. And so well, they I, definitely have a chance this year do. because you know the the Giants. It's it's an odd year, so the Giants won't win it till next year. But <laughs> well, that was the other one: is will the Giants repeat? You know, so yeah. it's always fun. I wish I was there this weekend or for the next couple of weeks because it's March always Madness, fun for March insane. Madness. I've never been to Vegas during oh, March it's, Madness, it's, but I definitely it's great. Well, to. you know, if you've been to any one of these sports books where they have multiple screens going on, yeah. so they they've got all three or four games that are going on at the same time and it's just like this random cheering all over yeah. the place and you know the money that i'm sure is being exchanged and the, the 
the uh, the enthusiasm as people dress up in their in their their school colors. Yeah. You know, so yep. I'm wearing I'm I'm sporting He's rocking UCLA. his uh, rocking the UCLA Bruins yeah, jersey. Which, and, what what time uh, does the USC game in March Madness this year? Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you know, my I, team didn't make it. Yeah, I could I could make Again. a big deal of that, but but I won't. <laughs> I won't. Womp womp. All right, so visit to Las Vegas, outstanding. Uh, jump on a plane from there, not too far, less than an hour away. Go to Phoenix. Excellent. Uh, the weather in Phoenix much warmer than Las Vegas. Certainly a lot warmer than Boston. And we were there for the SIFMA Compliance and Legal Society Summit. It's an event that takes place every year. Uh, last year it was in Orlando. The year before it was in Phoenix. So they actually returned to the same property they did at the event two years ago. And most of the people who go to the SIFMA Compliance and Legal are either compliance officers or high-level people in the legal profession, you know. So a lot of lot of legal sure, sure. lot of lot of firms represented there that service the financial services community. So we had a booth there. A couple of us came out there from uh, from Hearsay Social really to answer questions and really focus in, if you will, on the compliance side of the uh, the discussion as it relates to adoption of digital tools and very specifically here talking about social media. So most of the conversations, most of the activity, the presentations and the sessions are very much focused on like rules and regulations and enforcement actions and uh, you know updates, if you will. So you know, very interesting, if you will, from the standpoint of kind of keeping tabs on the changes that are taking place in the industry is constantly being challenged, if you will. And then the relationship between SIFMA uh, as a as an organization, FINRA, and then also the SEC. Sure. So I think the highlight of the uh, of the entire uh, SIFMA Compliance and Legal Society Summit was on Tuesday morning when Mary Jo White, who's the uh, the chair of the SEC, came out and uh, had a, about a 20 to 25 minute interview. And she was basically sharing the fact that the industry is looking at establishing a fiduciary standard across investment advisors as well as brokers and basically people in the financial profession. And so there's still a lot of controversy about that. Um, investmentnews.com wrote about it. Think Advisor wrote about it. Certainly something that is extremely detailed, you know, to go into as far as a conversation. But the, 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 in a nutshell, what it really is, is looking at standardizing certain practices as it relates to the financial services profession and how they work with clients. And, uh, and I think more specifically, looking at ways that you establish a certain standard that everybody abides to which you know could be a challenge because it will mean that certain organizations right. and certain individuals that are not used to having any sort of these standards established will have to abide by them, which introduces risk and it introduces that opportunity to potentially being sued. So it, I think it's more akin, at least in my opinion or from what I look at, is almost like the medical profession with malpractice and what have you and just being very careful Understandable. about going forward. Yeah. So I, I would encourage you, and I should add the links, if you will, to the Think Advisor piece as well as the investment news write-up. For those of you who have access to both of those uh, resources, just to see what the discussion was. But I think it would, what it really brought to light was the fact that this is a conversation. I think I don't think they're going to make any decisions right away. And I think what Mary Jo White was really saying is that this is something that they are now on board in exploring and trying to find a solution. But they are still going to be looking for a lot of feedback, if you will, from the industry. So if you're you're for it, obviously you know you'll put your your thoughts in, and if you're against it. I think you also need to have your voice heard. So we at Hearsay Social, I guess the best thing I can say is that, you know, we keep abreast of these changes. Yasmin, you know, does a great job of kind of keeping her finger on the pulse of what's happening in the regulatory space, both legal and compliance. Um, And then at the same time, 
you know, if there are any stipulations that m would require, you know, a change to how we are technically going to help service our clients as far as social media is concerned or websites or any of their digital footprints, we'll be on top of that. So nice. Very cool. <laughs> Did you have any questions about it, Eli, that I might be able to answer? <laughs> Um, I'll send them to uh, our email. <laughs> okay, yeah. So at least we'll have one email, but it'll be from you. Right, and, <laughs> okay. and I'll, I'll answer myself in a timely fashion. <laughs> okay, good. Well, what was all um, fun is we were there for St. Patrick's Day. Yep. You know, so that was kind of a fun. Although you know, Arizona, Phoenix, St. Patrick's, it was kind of kind of weird. You Large know? Irish population and. Not that I could tell, although everybody's I mean, Irish let's on be St. Honest. Patrick's Day. Yeah, you're absolutely Everybody right. Everybody is. Everybody is. But we did celebrate in Scottsdale. You nice. know, Scottsdale had some green beer. Nice. Uh, not a green beer. I had a Dos Equis, which is in a green bottle. So I think that counts, So right? you had a Mexican <laughs> beer in Phoenix for St. Patrick's Day. And a Mexican meal, too. Nothing says Happy St. Patrick's Day like a chimichanga. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and nachos. <laughs> well, anyway. Truly the one holiday where it's just like, yeah, just do stuff. That's how <laughs> yeah, you celebrate. Just go out. We're green. Yeah. Be happy. <laughs> right. I thought what was funny is there was an email or a posting on, on social media that was going around about all the like myths and misconceptions we have about St. Oh, Patrick's yeah. Day. Like St. Patrick is not Irish. No. Had nothing to do with snakes. Nope. Uh, the symbol is not the shamrock, it's Absolutely the harp. Not. It's you the know, harp. so it was all these yep. things that we've got completely wrong. And yeah. you know, and the same thing happens with the Cinco de Mayo coming up. Oh, sure. You know, so we yeah. we in America I think are just finding excuses to celebrate, you know, yeah. other people's cultures even though we got it completely wrong. So yep. anyway, <laughs> I guess we need to be more sensitive. So the uh CIFMA Compliance and Legal Society Summit event took place over the course of three days. Uh it's gonna repeat again in a year back to Orlando so they kind of go back and forth between the two coasts but you know it's always just kind of interesting to see the, the the makeup of the people who come to the event the conversations that are taking place and I would say honestly I sat in on a number of sessions and a lot of them and having worked in the industry I could kind of understand what they were talking about but it really is so definitively looking at regulations legal actions case studies if you will enforcement issues that it really is kind of a little bit outside of the scope of some of the things that we get involved in so i'm always looking for those port portions of the agenda where there's very specific yeah. conversations around social media and i sat in this one session it was about a little over an hour long and it was like back and forth back and forth back and forth talking about all these things and they were you know and did say in the agenda that we're going to talk about social media so i'm like listening and i'm waiting and i'm waiting because i really want to what can i take away from this that i can share with our clients at the customer round tables and things like that and so we're getting getting closer, closer, closer. It's almost about to go. Well, in the minute that we have less, I think we should talk about social media. And then they basically like just said, "Well, if you're going to use it, have a policy, you know, and make sure that you have some some middleware vendor that's going to protect you." And it was just that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I just sat through like an hour worth of all this nice. dry material. Uh, don't you love that? To get to that one minute, which basically said everything I already knew. So it was yeah, just yeah. like, all right, well, you know, it is what. It is. The crapshoot of a conference, right? Exactly. Yeah. Are we going? Are we going back to craps now? Or? Oh, so yeah. So now craps is Seven a game. Eleven. <laughs> no, no. We'll skip that. We'll we'll say that for the next episode, right? <laughs> and then and then I'll teach you all how to play Pi Gal. <laughs> well, this is gonna be this is really gonna take a turn this show. So, <laughs> social society, uh, SIFMA, uh, Compliance and Legal Society Summit. A uh, lot of preseason baseball taking place out there on the Cactus yep, Leagues. Yep, Good times. And then St. Patrick's Day. So a long road trip. And it was away for 10 days. Different weather, different demographics. We missed you. Stuff. Well, it's good to be back. You know, so it's great to be back. Yeah. 
So, um, so that was basically the road trip, Boston, Las Vegas, Phoenix. Um, one thing that did come up, if you will, throughout the trip was the fact that more and more people are discovering the Advisor of the Future Executive Report. Awesome report. And, definitely uh, worth downloading. Yeah, we're definitely getting some industry reception to that. As a matter of fact, it's going to play off as an abstract. Um, we are looking at taking the, the, the main concepts of the uh, Advisor of the Future Executive Report and then creating a presentation based on those concepts. We've tested it oh, once already. Yeah. But uh, the reason why I bring it up is for those of you that are listening, that are looking at creating you know, events, um, if, you're, if, if you're one of our customers that has a conference, please let us know. We'd love to be able to present these concepts because I think it applies to the entirety of the industry about the things that you need to do. And you know, we did record a full episode around it. But as, uh, as Eli pointed out, the executive report is available for download on our website and I'll also include a link on the podcast notes so that you can read it through. It was uh, co-authored by myself and Nicole Johnson of our marketing team. Mm-hmm. And Nicole, for those of you who are unfamiliar, used to work for BlackRock. So definitely comes with some industry chops to kind of help yeah. me in uh, positioning this uh, this executive report. Has been and a so huge been boon to the yeah. team. Yeah, it's, and uh, this report, you know, coming very quickly after you know she was hired and you guys just did an incredible job it really is a very illuminating and and wonderfully written piece well thank you i appreciate that ah you know what that means eli oh yeah ronnie walk all right hashtag ronnie why we got an update on our good friend ronnie curry's out in the field gps tracking has him tracking him he's been checking in uh from time to time and so for those of you who remember our good friend and co-host Ronnie, uh, he's been walking across America, started his trip in Brooklyn a couple weeks ago. And so you can follow along on hashtag Ronnie Walk. We're doing some updates. That's the other thing I'm looking at doing at Facebook is adding some pictures you know, that he's sending me yeah. uh, along the trip. So. Current location. So uh, he started in Brooklyn. Yep. Uh, the first time he checked in with me, he had crossed over into New Jersey. Uh, I think a few days in, he uh, did a walk between New Brunswick, New Jersey, to Princeton. Uh, when I checked in the oh, last time with him. Beautiful, yeah. uh, oh, beautiful, beautiful towns. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was waiting. I mean, he didn't get started as quickly as he would have liked. Yeah. And part of that was just because the weather right. continued to be really, really cold. Um, but things warmed up, and so he started his trip. I think he was really anxious to get going. So he's made it to uh, from Brooklyn to New Brunswick to Princeton. Last I checked in with him, uh, this was a few days ago, uh, he was in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Amish country, beautiful, beautiful, yeah. beautiful part of the country. Um, <laughs> it's so funny because he, he uh, and we're doing this through through Twitter, direct message back and forth. And so he said he was in Lancaster. And I wrote back and said, ah, you're in Amish country. You're going to help someone raise a barn now because that was kind of yeah, an ongoing yeah. joke. And he immediately sent back a picture of a horse and buggy <laughs> you know that was yeah. right next to him so i think that was happening in real time that's awesome and it was kind of kind of fun so i checked in this is the most recent update and obviously by the time this show airs he'll be further along but last i checked he was making his way to york pennsylvania and he was just about to cross the susquehanna river susquehanna mm-hmm. susquehanna so if you uh take a look at a map and we got a map i should post the picture it's actually i'll post it on facebook is a picture of us tracking his progress. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we've got a map of him crossing through New Jersey into Pennsylvania. So for those of you following along, Ronnie is probably somewhere just past York at this point. And yeah. so we'll uh, we'll continue. So that's our checkup on... Excellent. Ronnie, Ronnie Walk. Walk. <laughs> okay. Ta-da!
right, so rounding off uh, the show here, just kind of coming to a close. So it was just like talking about the road trip. It was in general just talking about what's going on, yep. you know, for the last couple of weeks. Yep, yep. Uh, but we've got some exciting upcoming shows here on Hearsay Social on the Air. We've got Sophia Barra, who's also an advisor of the mm-hmm. future, future planner, very much. Actually, it turns out that her and Katie are good friends. Yes. Yeah, which I thought was cool. And I think I kind of knew that. But when I met up with Katie in Las Vegas and we talked about Sophia, she said, yeah, no, they've been friends for quite some time. They do very similar work. Oh, that's really cool. So that was kind of neat. And it turns out that there's like a a group of planners that are all about the same age. And she mentioned that. She mentioned that in the actual podcast. So -hmm. they all uh, continue to stay in touch and see each other. Um, And then... Steve Garrity. Steve Garrity, co-founder yeah, yeah. of Hearsay Social. So co-founder, one of the big wigs, CTO, part and of our senior leadership. Mm-hmm. Recent winner of our fantasy Iditarod league. He won. Yeah. Where did I place? Not, not good. No. How long did it take? All in all. Uh, all in all, the fine. Oh, I think so. Dallas CV won it, and I think he did it in eight days. 40-something minutes. It was have, pretty close to last year's time. Had we talked about it yet on the no, show? No, I haven't. Oh, I don't think we have. So, so what, what did right. you win? So, so, okay. So, being from Anchorage, Alaska, I'm a big fan of the Iditarod, which is uh, the world's largest uh, sled dog race. It goes from, um, uh, well, it's kind of fake starts in Anchorage, then really starts in a town called Willow, and goes up to uh, Nome in Alaska. It takes about 8 to 10 days, depending um, varies every year, but this year there was not enough snow. Unlike the East Coast, Alaska's had a real dearth of snow, so they had to start in Fairbanks. But anyway, I created a fantasy Iditarod league. Essentially, you pick a couple of veterans, a couple of rookies, a couple of the female racers, and you get points for who gets into each checkpoint first type thing. And Steve Garrity picked our our, our co-founder, who we're having on in a couple of weeks. Uh, picked his team completely based off the pictures mm. of mm. the individual mushers on who looked the most like a musher, who looked the most, mm. you know, outdoorsy wilderness, and ended up picking four top ten finishers. <sighs> yeah. So he, used uh, this he crushed me. Very scientific method yeah. of choosing based on mushiness. I picked three. I had three top ten finishers. And actually, oh. technically, as as we speak now, the final scores are not in because you get 70 points for the last place finisher. Mm. But I don't think it'll be enough for anyone to catch Steve. Mm. I think he's got it locked. But 70 points for what is called the Red Lantern, whoever comes in last for Iditarod. So, Victor, I, you still have... Do I, I, I'm still in the running for something. No, you still have no chance. I have no chance. <laughs> you, you are in last place by a lot. There are only four of us, unfortunately. I, I think I started hmm. my uh, campaign to get hmm. people to join a little late. Um, Is there any opportunity for me to double down? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no double downing on the mush. I mean, you can, <laughs> but it would go the same way. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go double for nothing next year. All right, do And it. I'm going to pick them based on mushiness. You got to pick them based on mush- mushingness. Well, the other thing that we should mention is that Steve was at South by Southwest. He was, and, yeah. And he did, did a, a presentation there. He did a presentation about robots and humans and the whole mm-hmm. element, which which was amazingly timely. Yeah. Because there was a lot of activity. Did you read about what was happening in South by Southwest? Like these protest yeah, yeah. groups against, you know, the robotization. And, of jo- taking yeah. away jobs and, the, and exactly. the, the Uber and the, uh, yeah, the the robot drivers or the self-driving cars and the... Well, I've been gone. Has, is Steve back? Have you seen him? Because that's I have not. kind of a controversial subject. Maybe he has been kidnapped by those protesters. We better check because we need... He 
team mm. to be part of the show. So we'll send we'll send in a robot search and rescue team. Okay, so if you're listening to the show and you have done a Steve sighting, send us an email. <laughs> send us an email with a picture of Steve and your demands. <laughs> no, <laughs> we kid because we love it. Um, okay, so Sophia Barra. Yep, Steve, Steve Garrity. Good uh, ones we'll coming up. To, we'll have to ask him about that, about yeah. his scientific method. See if For he comes up with something picking different. Picking mushers. Exactly. I know. Amazing. All right, so that pretty much wraps up the show. Just wanted to thank everybody for listening, for sharing your feedback. Once again, please send us your feedback, HS on air, uh, hashtag HS on air. Also now Facebook, we've mm-hmm. got SoundCloud, we've yep. got email. email. So we got a lot of different ways for you to get a hold of us. Um, and we've got, like I said, these exciting shows coming up. Plus we're looking towards the future of other guests. So as we always say, if there's anybody in our group or in our departments uh, that you'd like to hear from, mm-hmm. um, all we have to do is just like go out the store um, grab them, bring them in here, get a microphone in front of them, and then yep. we'll record and interview them. So it's as simple as that. Sounds good. So once again, this is Hearsay Social on the Air. I am Victor Gaxiola. And I'm Eli Miniker, hoping your bracket doesn't get busted. Yeah, same here. So we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah.